ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد continuing with بلوغ المرام in the chapter of the prayer Currently in the section, Shurutu Salah, the conditions of the prayer. So the section that we've arrived at now, it was the condition from amongst the conditions of the prayer, which was facing the Qibla. So facing the Qibla, facing the direction of the prayer, the Qibla is one of the conditions of the prayer. And that's what's going to be discussed in these narrations coming up now. So we have the hadith of Amr ibn Rabi'ah radiyallahu anhu qal Kunna ma'a Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi laylatil mudlima Fa'ashkalat alayna al-qibla Fa'sallayna falamma tala'atil shamsu fa'idha nahnu sallayna ila ghayri al-qibla Fa'nazalat fa'aynama tuwallu fa'thamma wajhullah Akhrajaw tirmidhi wa da'afah So this hadith then, the hadith of Amr ibn Rabi'ah radiyallahu anhu he says that we were with the Prophet ﷺ in a dark night, and so the direction of the Qibla, it became problematic. We weren't able to work it out. So we prayed in a particular direction that they assumed was the direction. So when the sun came up in the morning, Then we realized, he says, that we had prayed in a direction other than the direction of the Qibla. That during the night when it was dark and they had tried to work it out, in the morning when the sun came up, they realized that the direction they prayed in was not the direction of the Qibla. So then in the narration it says, that's when the ayah was revealed, فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ That wherever you face, or wherever you turn yourselves, there is the face of Allah. Wherever you turn yourselves, there is the face of Allah. And we'll explain what this ayah means. So in this hadith then, it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ, he was with some of his companions and it was a dark night. So they were not able to work out for definite where the direction of the Qibla is on that night. So they made their ijtihad, they assumed or they worked out to the best of their ability where the direction of the Qibla is in that darkness, and they prayed. But when the morning came about and the sun it arose, they realized that they had actually prayed at night in a direction which was other than the direction of the Qibla. So then it's mentioned that this ayah was revealed, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبَ And to Allah belongs the east and the west. فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ So wherever you turn, then there is the face of Allah. This hadith would therefore seem to explain the reason why this particular ayah was revealed. The hadith would seem to explain the reason as to why this particular ayah was revealed. And that is, that it was revealed regarding the situation or the circumstance where... If somebody was upon a journey, and that's what the hadith apparently indicates, that the Prophet ﷺ and the companions, they were on a journey somewhere, it was dark, it was night, and they weren't able to work out the exact direction. 
So this ayah seems to indicate in that scenario where it's dark, it's difficult, you can't work out where the direction of the qibla is, then you make your best attempt and you pray. Then after that, even if you realize that you had actually prayed incorrectly, i.e. to a wrong direction, then this ayah seems to indicate that the prayer is still okay. In that scenario, in that situation where you're somewhere traveling, etc., it's dark, you have no way of working out where the, qa'ba, where the qibla is, so you pray to the best of your ability in the direction you think is the qibla, then afterwards you realize in the morning or when light comes or by other means, that actually that wasn't the direction of the qibla. Later on you find out. The ayah seems to indicate that your prayer is legitimate. Your prayer is okay. You made your ijtihad, you made the best of your ability and you prayed in that scenario, then the ayah seems to indicate that your prayer is okay. In accordance to this hadith, if that was the reason why this ayah was revealed. However, the only issue with all of that is that this particular narration is actually weak. This particular hadith, the scholars have mentioned, is actually weak. And it cannot be used as an evidence for that. So therefore, if that's weak, and this ayah where it says, wherever you turn, the east and the west belongs to Allah. So wherever you turn, you'll find the face of Allah there. Or the face of Allah is there wherever you turn. If that ayah was not revealed in this scenario, then when was it revealed? The scholars mention some other explanations as to what this ayah means. That the west and the east, or the east and the west, they all belong to Allah. Wherever you face, then the face of Allah is there. Some of the scholars have said that this ayah was revealed as a consolation or a comfort to console the Prophet ﷺ and the companions after they were exited from uh, Mecca. After the mushrikeen, they forced them out of Mecca and they forced them to go to a distant place, to be distanced from Mecca. And they were far from Al-Masjid Al-Haram. They were far from the Kaaba. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this ayah upon the believers that no matter where you are, even if you're far away from the Qibla, as they were now when they had been forced out by the mushrikeen to a far place away from Mecca, then some of the scholars say this ayah was revealed as a comfort, as a consolation to the Prophet ﷺ and to the companions that wherever you are, even if you're far from the Kaaba, then when you face to pray, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his face is in that direction. Even if you are far on the east and the west, all of that is... Uh, all of that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore your prayer is correct. However, some of the scholars have said that actually there's another reasoning as to why this ayah was revealed that to Allah belongs the east and the west so wherever you face or wherever you turn then that is the face of Allah. The other explanation the scholars have given is that this ayah was as an introduction or an opening or an introduction into or a, a, something which was leading onto the abrogation of the previous direction. So we know that previously the Muslims, they used to pray towards Baytul Maqdis. Then after that, that direction was changed, it was altered towards the Kaaba in Mecca. So some of the scholars, they say this ayah was revealed as an introduction to that affair. That wherever you face, or wherever you turn, then that is the face of Allah there. 
meaning previously you used to pray towards Bayt al-Maqdis, and now you're going to change, the ayah is going to be revealed, that you're going to pray towards the Kaaba. But wherever you pray, that is the face of Allah. Meaning, it's not the actual direction that your worship is linked to, it's the commandment of Allah that your worship is linked to. So when the commandment was that you pray towards Bayt al-Maqdis, the Muslims prayed towards Bayt al-Maqdis. But when the commandment changed, that now you pray towards the Kaaba, the Qibla in Mecca, then the obedience of the believers was to change their direction and face that way. That's why it's mentioned, the narration, that a group of the Ansar, they were praying. Uh, they were praying, one of the prayers, Salat al-Asr, it's mentioned, and when the change of the Qibla, it occurred, the Prophet ﷺ sent someone to them. And they were still praying. فَقَدْ كَانَتْ جَمَاعَةٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ يُصَلُّونَ إِلَى بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ صَلَاةِ الْعَصْرِ A group of the Ansar, they were praying the Asr prayer still at the old direction. When the revelation came down, because they hadn't become aware of the new revelation yet. So they were praying Asr in the old direction towards Bayt al-Maqdis. فَجَاءَهُمُ الْخَبَرْ بِأَنَّ الْقِبْلَةَ حُوِّلَتْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَةِ Whilst they were in the prayer, it's mentioned in the narration that the Prophet ﷺ sent one of the companions, and he went, and whilst they were still in the prayer, he made the announcement that the Kaaba, the Qibla direction has changed. So in the prayer, they changed from Bayt al-Maqdis, and they moved around towards the direction of the Kaaba, whilst in the prayer. That's mentioned. And this is an evidence to prove uh, and to refute those individuals who claim that Khabar al-Ahad cannot be accepted. Some groups of innovation, some groups of deviancy, they claim that ahadith can only be accepted if they are mutawatir, meaning that they are narrated by multiple narrators. They say if only one companion narrated it, or two or three, just one or two of them, it's possible they might have made a mistake or they misunderstood or something like that. For us to be sure, they say, we need to have the hadith narrated in a mutawatir fashion, i.e. multiple narrators, multiple companions, multiple uh, uh, salaf, tabi'een, who narrated from them. When you have multiple narrators at each level of the chain, then they say we can be sure. But when it's ahad, one or two or three only, then there's a possibility they made a mistake or they misunderstood or it wasn't narrated properly. They make these claims, some of the people of deviation. This is an evidence against them. Because in this narration, those individuals, they were praying from the Ansar, they were praying towards the old direction because the revelation hadn't come to them yet. They hadn't been, become aware of the change of direction yet. So when that person came to inform them, when he came to inform them, they instantly accepted his news and they changed direction. How many people went to inform them? One individual. There was one individual who was sent by the Prophet ﷺ to go and inform them based upon his narration. They accepted that and they changed the direction of the Qibla from Bayt al-Maqdis to the Kaaba in Mecca. So this is a proof that the Ahadi can be accepted. And many Ahadith, even in Al-Bukhari, there are narrations that are ahad, narrated by single narrators or one or two. The very first hadith, or one of the ahadith that everybody knows, Indeed all actions are but by your intentions. That is a narration that is not by multiple narrators. 
singular narrators, but it's authentic. So the purpose is, or the point is, narrations are accepted or rejected based upon their authenticity, not based upon how many people narrated them or not. That is something that the deviants, they mentioned, and this is one of the proofs against them. But the point being here now, so when that direction of Qibla changed, then some of the scholars said, that's what the meaning of this ayah is. That wherever you turn, then your worship is accurate and correct as long as you are praying in a direction what you have been commanded with. And previously they were commanded with Baytul Maqdis, so they were praying towards that. Then they were commanded with the Kaaba, in, uh, the Qibla in Mecca, so then they faced towards that. And their obedience is correct to face that way. That's why the scholars have mentioned uh, the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيَضِيعَ أَعْمَالَكُمْ Imanakum. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not put your iman to waste. Allah would not put your iman to waste. That is referring to those people because the companions they came to the Prophet. And they said to the Prophet, the qibla direction has changed. So what about our brothers who died before this event occurred, before this revelation came, and all of their lives they were praying towards Baytul Maqdis? So the ayah was revealed that their iman will not be put to waste. Their iman will not be put to waste. Meaning their prayers towards the old direction are correct and accepted. Because that was the commandment at that time. That was the obedience at that time. So their prayers, they will be accepted. And that's a proof that actions are from your iman. Actions are from your iman. Because the ayah says, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ إِيمَانَكُمْ Allah would not put your iman to waste. What's the iman which is being referred to? The prayers that they used to pray towards Bayt al-Maqdis. So these are the ayat. Similar to that then, uh, the shaykh quotes uh, from Surah Al-Baqarah also, uh, the ayah, وَمَا جَعَلْنَا الْقِبَلَةَ الَّتِي كُنْتَ عَلَيْهَا إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولَ مِمَّنْ يَنْقَلِبُ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ That we made the qibla a prayer direction towards Jerusalem previously, which you used to face, Bayt al-Maqdis, only to test those who followed the Messenger, وسلم, from those who would turn on their heels and disobey. Indeed, it was great, it was heavy, except for those whom Allah guided. So these are all ayat which explain that the direction of the qibla was towards Jerusalem initially, and then that direction changed from Bayt al-Maqdis in Jerusalem, to the Qibla, uh, to the Kaaba in Mecca. There's a third opinion, which is that this ayah was revealed regarding the supererogatory prayers. That wherever you turn, the face of Allah is there, i.e. the supererogatory prayers. So if you're upon a riding animal, you're upon a riding animal, and you're praying a supererogatory prayer, not the fard, not the fard prayers, then wherever the riding animal faces towards, then your prayer is correct, as a supererogatory prayer. And so some of the scholars said, that's what it means. So there are three opinions basically, you can summarize it into, as for the reason of revelation of this ayah, that wherever you turn, then the face of Allah is there. One opinion is that it's about the scenario where you are not aware of where the Qibla is due to circumstances, so you make your best effort and you pray. That's what one of the 
scenarios is. The other one was that this ayah was revealed as an introduction to the abrogation that was about to come. That you're going to stop praying towards Bayt al-Maqdis and towards Kaaba in Mecca. That's the second. And the third is that maybe this ayah was revealed regarding the supererogatory prayers. That wherever you turn, then that's the face of Allah, i.e. then your prayer is correct. Whichever way the riding animal turns, if you're upon one, when praying the supererogatory prayers, then the prayer is accurate and correct. So, to explain further then, The hadith then said, in the scenario of the hadith itself, that scenario was that it was dark, it was difficult to work out the direction of the Kaaba, and so the Shaykh says, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, in that situation, uh, the ayah indicates that you would strive and make your best attempt and best effort to work out where the direction of the Kaaba is. And you pray in accordance to your best efforts, try to work it out to the best of your ability, where the Kaaba is, which direction it is in, and you pray. And if a person does that, then according to the hadith, as we mentioned, it's weak though, but according to that scenario, these are some of the principles that could be taken from it, is that, therefore, even afterwards, if it becomes clear to you that you prayed in the wrong direction, your prayer is still correct. Because that is the best of that person's ability. In that darkness, in that scenario, where you don't know where you are, where the directions are, you make the best of your effort, to try to work out where the Kaaba is and you pray. لِأَنَّ هَذَا مُنْتَهَ اسْتَطَاعَتِهِ This is the best of his ability. And that Allah has said in the Qur'an, لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not burden a person more than his ability. So you do to the best of your ability to work out where the direction is. Then the ayah says, فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا Wherever you turn in your prayer, whichever direction, فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهُ Then there is the face of Allah. This has two meanings to it. Wajh in the Arabic language refers to face. It means face, but it also means direction. So one explanation of this ayah is that wherever you turn, then that is the direction of Allah. Not the face of Allah. The direction of Allah. That's one meaning of it. Al-jiha allati amara Allahu bistiqbaliha. I.e. the direction that Allah has commanded you to face in prayer. So previously, Bayt al-Maqdis in Jerusalem, that was the direction. Then after that, towards the Kaaba in Mecca, that was the direction. So here, one of the explanations of Wajhullah, the face of Allah, as the meanings say also in the translation, one of the meanings of it can be the direction of Allah, i.e. the direction that Allah has commanded you to pray in. But, the other meaning of it can be the actual attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the face. The actual face of Allah, the attribute of Allah. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has names and attributes that Allah has mentioned about Himself in the Quran and the Sunnah. So one of those attributes is that Allah has a face. What does that face look like? What are the descriptions? That is beyond our knowledge. That is beyond our understanding and it is actually an innovation and an incorrect uh, matter to engage in to try to imagine what Allah's face looks like and what the descriptions are, and what the details are. Because Allah said in the Qur'an, وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You have not been given from knowledge except a small amount. So we have only been given a small amount of knowledge. But that small amount of knowledge which we have been given, 
and Allah has told us about in the Quran and the Sunnah, then we have to accept that and implement it and act upon it. They say, the scholars, they mention that one of the reasons why it is impossible to try to imagine what the attributes of Allah look like, even though we know that, that Allah has attributes, that Allah has these descriptions, face and hands and other things that Allah mentioned, eyes, we can never try to imagine what they look like. And that's a refutation of those people who say, you not say that Allah has hands and eyes and face. We've got hands, eyes and face. You tell them we're not saying in any way at all, any comparison between Allah and us. That's impossible. Allah is not comparable to us, the creation. There is nothing like unto Allah, and He is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. But the scholars, they say one of the ways to refute anybody who tries to say that you are comparing Allah to creation, or that you're saying Allah's got a face and we've got a face, that's comparison, resemblance, tell them it's not. Because the scholars have said, in order for you to make a resemblance or a comparison, or a description, or to imagine what something looks like, and to know about how something looks like, there's only one, one of three possible ways. For you to know what something looks like, there's only one of three ways. And for you to be able to make a comparison between two things, then you need to know the details of what they look like to be able to make the comparison. So what are the three ways to be able to have knowledge of what something looks like? One is to physically see it yourself. To physically see something yourself, then you know what the description of that thing is. So you have a mobile phone and you see it. You look at the phone and you see it for yourselves. So now you all have the ability to describe it. It's this many centimeters roughly, this color screen, this many buttons. You can describe it because you have seen it. That's one way to describe something. Another way to describe it, for example, the phone is here. The people at the back, they can't see it. But the people at the front, they can. So how could the people at the back describe the phone? They could ask the people at the front. So another way of describing something or knowing what it looks like is to get that via a reliable secondary source. A reliable secondary source who comes and tells you what the item looks like, so then you know what it looks like. If nobody sees the phone, how do you describe it then? The only other possibility is maybe a manual for the phone. You find the manual that's relevant to this particular phone, I tell you it's a HTC, so you find a manual for this particular phone. And you read the descriptions in the manual. It tells you how big it is, how many centimeters, how many buttons. It gives you the description of what that phone is. Even though you've not seen it, nobody is in the front, in the back, nobody's seen it. But you've got the manual and you read from the manual what it looks like. So now you can describe it from the details given to you in the manual. So then the scholars, they say, if you implement these three methods with regards to the names and attributes of Allah. The first method, has anybody seen Allah to be able to describe Allah. Nobody has seen Allah. Not even the Prophet ﷺ on the night of Al-Isra'u al-Mi'raj. Due to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, hatta tamutu. You will not see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until you die. So the aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that we don't see Allah in this world, in opposition to some of the Sufis who claim otherwise, claim that they see Allah and they walk around in paradise at night, and they come back in the morning and everything. The correct belief of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that we do not see Allah on this earth, but that we will see Allah in the hereafter. We will see Allah in the hereafter. 
So now that first method is impossible. You can't compare Allah or describe Allah by seeing Him, nobody has seen Him. And the Prophet has told us, we will not see Him in this world until we die in the hereafter, we will see Him. وَجُوهِ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ نَاظِرَ إِلَى رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَ On that day the faces will be radiant, looking towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first method is out. The second method is, somebody who has seen Allah comes and tells you, and informs you, a reliable source comes and tells you. But even the Prophet ﷺ didn't see Allah the sight of vision on the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj. So we don't even have that. We don't have anybody who has seen Allah to come and tell us this is what Allah looks like. We don't have that. Sufis may claim they have some of their great Imams who can do that. But the reality is Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, the reality, not these, uh, these dreams that they have and these made-up stories, the reality is that doesn't exist. So that's not there either. So now... The only possible way to describe Allah is a third option. To have some reliable manual that tells you the names and attributes and the descriptions of Allah. And that is the Qur'an. So we have the Qur'an. So whatever we find in the Qur'an, that can be the only possible way for us to understand who Allah is. The Qur'an and the Sunnah that goes with it and explains it. The Qur'an and the Sunnah is the only way. That's the manual. None of us have seen Allah. Nobody else has seen Allah to come and tell us. So the only way is the Qur'an and the Sunnah to look into that manual, to work out or to understand from there what the descriptions, the names and attributes of Allah are. So what we find in there, we accept it as it is. We don't add anything, we don't reject anything, we don't take anything away. We accept it as it is and we believe in it as it is. Because Allah has told us that in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, the manual as per example. Just like the phone. If nobody had seen the phone... And nobody has ever seen this particular model of phone in their lives. But you read the manual. And the manual tells you the phone is brown in color. And it's 10 centimeters by 5 centimeters. And it has this function and that function. What you read in the manual, that's what you're going to have as your opinion of what this phone is. If somebody says to you, okay, what's that phone about? You'll say, well, it's brown, it's this, it's that, 10 centimeters, 5 centimeters. How do you know? That's what the manual for the phone said. Would it be in any way plausible or logical for someone to say, nobody has seen this model of phone, it's not out yet. And the manual that's already come out in advance says, it's blue in color, that's the only color you can get it in. So what color is this new phone that's coming out? You say, actually I think it's blue, but I got a sneaky feeling they're going to put a black strip on it as well. Would there be any basis for anyone to make that type of claim? None whatsoever. Nobody has seen it yet. The only information you have is the manual. The manual says it's blue. The only choice you have is to say it's therefore blue. You can't just guess. If you're going to guess, then we could end up with 20 different opinions. Somebody else comes along, my sneaky feeling is going to be a pink strip. My sneaky feeling is going to be a yellow strip. That's what the people of innovation did. When it came to the names and attributes, they all gave their opinions on how to understand things. And that's why they ended up with so many different distorted opinions and stances with regards to names and attributes. They gave their intelligence precedence over what the manual was telling them. But we don't do that. If you're going to give your intelligence precedence over what the manual tells you, what's the purpose of the manual to you then? You're gonna go, you can go and describe the phone in whatever way you want. Rather, what's logical and accurate and correct is, if you haven't seen it, the only information is the manual. So we haven't seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nobody else has. The only reliable information is the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So we affirm and we accept what's in there. 
If Allah says He has a face, then we accept Allah has a face. What does it look like? How does it look like? None of that we know. We don't know any of that. But we accept that Allah has a face and other attributes. Just like if you've never seen the phone, it's not out yet. But it says in the manual that's already come out, it's going to be blue. Then you will accept and you'll have this image in your mind that I know it's blue. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you don't have any images in your mind. And you don't have any attempts to try to imagine what Allah looks like. Or what the descriptions look like. But what we've been told, we accept. That's the only information we have. It's in the manual, so we accept it. So here anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or in this uh, hadith, it mentions, uh, well rather the ayah, mentions that whatever you turn, then there is the face of Allah. One of the meanings of that could be the, the face of Allah in terms of the face of Allah. The attribute of Allah. Because as it's mentioned in some narrations, that when an individual prays, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَنْسِبُ وَجْهَهُ قِبَلَ الْمُصَلِّي وَقِبَلَ وَجْهِ الْمُصَلِّي فَإِذَا صَلَّيْتُمْ فَلَا تَلْتَفِتُوا That when a person prays, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala faces towards that person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala faces towards that person. So if you pray, then do not turn left and right and uh, make movements. Because when a person prays, then Allah faces towards that person. And it's mentioned about how the person when he recites and makes dua, then Allah is facing that person, uh, listening to that dua, etc. So maybe one of the meanings of it is, Allah actually faces the person. Uh, but in any case, there are some of the opinions regarding that ayah. Uh, the main point of the hadith is this then, that in that scenario, when a person tries hard, and he makes his best effort to find the direction of the Kaaba and he prays. Afterwards he realizes actually it wasn't the right way. Then what's upon him now? Is the prayer okay? Does he have to repeat it? What does he do? This is the main point from this narration regarding the condition of facing the Kaaba. If you realized that you prayed a prayer not in the correct direction in this kind of scenario, then what's upon you? This is the main point and there are three opinions. There are three opinions on the issue. The first of them, القول الأول أن من اشتبهت عليه القبلة وصلى فصلاته صحيحة ولو تبين له الخطأ في أثناء الوقت أو بعد خروج الوقت وسواء اجتهد وتحرى أو لم يجتهد ولم يتحرى هذا قال به طائفة من العلماء كالحنفية والكوفيين وغيرهم من الفقهاء The first opinion is that when a person makes or when a person prays because the direction of the Qibla in that scenario is unknown to him. He's confused about where the Kaaba is in that scenario he's in, he's traveling, it's dark, whatever it might be. He's confused as to where the Kaaba is. So he prays in a direction. In some direction that he chooses, he prays. Afterwards he realizes, or before we get to that, his prayer is then correct. He is confused about where the Kaaba is, he chooses a direction and he prays. His prayer is correct. Even if it becomes clear to him that he has prayed in an incorrect direction and there is still time for the prayer yet. The prayer time hasn't finished. And he realizes that he's prayed in the wrong direction. His prayer is still okay. He doesn't have to repeat it. Or if he finds out after the time is exited, no difference. The point being, if he chooses a direction in that confused state and prays, his prayer is correct. Even if he finds out afterwards it was the wrong way, even if there's time left to repeat the prayer, his prayer is correct. Even if he didn't make that much of an effort to really try to find out where the Kaaba is, 
If he was confused, and then he just ended up praying in a direction, his prayer is okay. He's confused, he doesn't know. That's the best we can do, pray in some direction. So that's one opinion that some of the scholars mentioned. Irrelevant of how hard he tries, of whether the time is in or out when he finds out, irrelevant of everything, if he's confused, he prays in a direction, it's correct. He's confused, he doesn't know, so he prays in a direction. That's correct, the scholars say, in one opinion. The prayer is correct. The second opinion, Al-Qawl Al-Thani, أَنَّ مَنْ تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ أَنَّهُ صَلَّى إِلَى غَيْرِ الْقِبْلَةِ وَجَبَتْ عَلَيْهِ الْإِعَادَةِ سَوَاءً تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ ذَلِكَ فِي الْوَقْتِ أَوْ بَعْدَةِ وَسَوَاءً كَانَ تَحَرَّى أَوْ لَمْ يَتَحَرَّى The second opinion is that if a person in that confused state prays in a direction that he ends up choosing, then afterwards he must repeat the prayer. If he finds out afterwards that it was the wrong direction, he must repeat the prayer whether he finds out and there's still time left for that prayer or that time for that prayer has finished now, afterwards he finds out he must still repeat it. Whether he tried hard in initially trying to find the direction or didn't try hard, all of those factors are irrelevant in the second opinion. In the second opinion, if he finds out afterwards it was the wrong direction, he's got to repeat it. Irrelevant. He's got to repeat the prayer. And that's the opinion of some of the scholars like uh, Al-Imam Shafi'i, uh, uh, الإمام الشافعي says لأن استقبال القبلة واجب بيقين فإذا تبين له أنه لم يستقبل القبلة لم تصح صلاته because الإمام الشافعي says one of the conditions of the prayer is that you must face the Kaaba with certainty so if you find out afterwards you were not then your prayer is incorrect you need to repeat it and that's the second opinion uh, regarding the issue uh, the third opinion أَنَّهُ إِذَا اشْتَبَهَتْ عَلَيْهِ الْقِبْلَةِ وَتَحَرَّ وَاشْتَهَدَ وَصَلَّى فَصَلَاتُهُ صَحِيحَةِ وَلَوْ تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْخَطَى بَعْدَ الصَّلَاةِ أَمَّا إِذَا صَلَّى مِنْ غَيْرِ تَحَرِّنِ وَمِنْ غَيْرِ اشْتِهَادِ فَإِنَّ صَلَاتَهُ غَيْرُ صَحِيحَةِ لَأَنَّهُ مُفَرِّطِ The third opinion is that it's based upon how much effort you make. If an individual in that confused state makes very little effort, he doesn't know where the Kaaba is, so he just gets up and prays somewhere. In some direction. Then if that individual finds out that it was the wrong direction, he's got to repeat the prayer. However, his prayer isn't correct then. He's got to repeat it. However, if an individual made every effort to genuinely work out where is the Kaaba, use his logic and his methods and whatever he has to be able to work out where the Kaaba is, he makes his best effort to work it out, then in that instance, if he prays, then his prayer is correct. Even if afterwards he finds out actually it wasn't the right direction. He made every effort and he made every attempt to work it out. He did the best of his ability. Allah doesn't burden a person more than his ability and he has done the level of his ability. So in that case, the third opinion is his prayer is okay even if afterwards he finds out it wasn't the right way. He made absolute best attempt and his best of his ability to do what he could in that state, in that form of worship. So his prayer is correct. As for the other one, he fell short. He didn't make that effort and striving to work it out. So for him they say, if he finds out, he needs to go and repeat it. Because he didn't make every effort, and he didn't put himself to the maximum level of burden that he could do, he didn't. So for him, if he finds out, repeat it. But the other individual, they say, is correct. And Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan says, وَلَعَلَّ هَذَا الْقَوْلُ هُوَ الرَّاجِحِ 
that perhaps this third statement, that's the most appropriate of the statements, the strongest of the statements. And that is what the Hanabila mentioned in their books. أَنَّهُ إِذَا اجْتَهَدَ وَتَحَرَّ فَإِنَّهُ يُسَلِّ بِحَصَبِ اجْتِهَادِهِ لِقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا أَنْ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَا اسْتَضَعْتُمْ أَنْ ذَا حَدِيثِ إِذَا مَرْتُكُمْ بِأَمْرٍ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَا اسْتَضَعْتُمْ The Shaykh says, because of these evidences where Allah says that Allah does not burden a person more than his ability, and fear Allah to the best of your abilities, and that which I have commanded you within the hadith, then do what you are able to the best of your ability. So they say based upon that, in that confused situation, if somebody genuinely to the best of their ability, absolutely pushes themselves to the limit to try to find where the Kaaba is and then prays, then his prayer is correct. Even if afterwards he realizes actually it was wrong. They say in that instance he has done what Allah has commanded to the best of his ability. He strived, he did what he could, but if he found out it was wrong, they say his prayer is still okay. But for the one who doesn't, do the absolute maximum in his effort, then his prayer has to be repeated. The next hadith, عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما بين المشرق والمغرب قبلة أخرجه الترمذي وقواه البخاري حديث أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه أبو هريرة as we mentioned before from the greatest of the companions of the Prophet Regarding hadith, he narrated more hadith than anyone else, 5,000 plus. So he narrates in this narration that the Prophet ﷺ said, that which is between the east and the west is a qibla. That which is between the east and the west, all of that is the direction of prayer. All of that is the qibla. So what does this mean then? This is regarding the statement in Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the ayat, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطْرَةِ وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ لَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ In these ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, the full meaning of them, Verily we have seen the turning of your face towards the heavens. Surely we shall turn you to a qibla that shall please you. So turn your face in the direction of al-masjid al-haram. Turn your face to the direction of Al-Masjid Al-Haram. And whosoever or wheresoever you people are, wherever you might be, turn your faces in prayer in that direction, towards the Masjid Al-Haram, the Kaaba. Certainly the people who were given the scripture, the Jews and the Christians, know that well. That you're turning towards the direction of the Kaaba in Mecca in prayers, is the truth from their Lord. And Allah is not unaware of what they do. Similarly, later on, Allah mentioned, وَمِنْ حَيْثُ خَرَجْتَ فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطَرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطَرَةِ لِأَلَّا يَكُونَ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَيْكُمْ حُجَّةِ And from wherever you start forth, are you wherever you are when you start your prayer, when you're going to pray, turn your face in the direction of Al-Masjid Al-Haram, and whoever you are, or rather wherever you are, Turn your faces towards it when you pray, so that men may have no argument against you, except those of them that are wrongdoers. So fear them not, but fear me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that I may complete my blessings on you, and that you may be guided. So these are the ayat in the Qur'an that speak about the direction of the qibla, which is the Kaaba in Mecca, and that being one of the conditions of the prayer. This hadith then says that the east and the west, all of it is a qibla. What does that mean then? 
الشيخ صالح الفوزان حفظه الله says فأمر سبحانه في هذه الآيات باستقبال المسجد الحرام في الصلاة فريضة كانت أو نافلة Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded, commanded us in these ayat to face towards the Qibla al-Masjid al-Haram in Mecca, whether that's an obligatory prayer or a supererogatory prayer. فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ اسْتَقْبَالِ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ شَرْطٌ مِنْ شُرُوطِ صِحَّةِ الصَّلَاةِ So this indicates that facing towards the Masjid al-Haram, the Kaaba is a condition from the conditions of the correctness of the prayer. وَلَكِنِ الْحَالِ يَخْتَلِفُ بَيْنَ مَنْ يَرَى الْكَعْبَ وَيُشَاهِدُهَا وَبَيْنَ مَنْ لَا يَرَاهَا However, there is a difference between somebody who is physically in Al-Masjid Al-Haram at the Kaaba and somebody who is not. There is a difference between them. Here the Shaykh is going to explain now that somebody who is actually there at Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca, in the Haram, then for that individual... What's upon him is that he has to directly face towards the Kaaba. He must be facing the Kaaba with his face, his body, everything directing towards the Kaaba itself. Because he can see it physically. So for the one who can see it physically, there's no excuse. You can't say, well, if he slightly deviated this way, slightly <coughs> deviated that way. So for the individual who is at the Kaaba, then upon him is to directly face the Kaaba with his face, his body, everything directed towards the Kaaba. And he cannot pray towards anything outside of the Kaaba. If some of his body is deviated away, partly, partially, then that means his prayer is not correct. If he's at the Kaaba, he must be fully directed towards the Kaaba. However, as for an individual who is not at the Kaaba, us here now, then if there was a small degree of deviation, here we're going to work out the direction. If you were off by two degrees or three degrees, then the scholars have said that's okay. That doesn't mean your prayer is falsified now, and your prayer is incorrect now. But that's the difference between somebody who's there and can physically see the Kaaba. They are, it's upon them as a condition of facing the Qibla, that all of their body and their face and everything is towards the Kaaba. If somebody is not in that scenario, then you face that direction. And even if it was slightly deviated, 
Then the scholars, they say that slight deviation from a distance like this, it doesn't make your prayer falsified. Uh, and that's the meaning of this hadith, that between the east and the west is a qibla. Between the east and the west is a qibla. This was initially referring to the people of Medina. This was initially referring to the people of Medina. Because they are to the north of Mecca. The people of Medina were to the north of Mecca. فَالْقِبْلَةُ بِنِسْبَ لِأَهْلِ الْمَدِينَةِ وَمَنْ حَاذَاهُ مِنْ أَهْلِ الشَّامِ وَأَهْلِ جِهَةِ الشَّمَالِ إِلَىٰ آخِرِ الدُّنْيَا يَسْتَقْبِلُونَ مَا بَيْنَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبَ So those people who are to the north, Medina and uh, Syria and Palestine, all those places to the north, then they will be directing towards the direction of the Qibla, but from their various locations. Whether it is towards the east or towards the west, then all of their directions are going to be coming together to that direction of Mecca. So it is as if whether they are in the east or whether they are in the west, then their direction is all coming together at one place. And that's what the hadith means, that between the east and the west, all of that is a Qibla. Wherever the place is, then all of their directions are going to come together at that one point. Uh, because all of them are going to be facing southwards. Those people who are towards the north, Syria, uh, Syria and uh, Medina and everything to the north, all of those will be facing southwards. Whether they are that way, that way, they will all be facing in a southerly direction towards the Kaaba. Similarly, the people who are in the south, to the south of the Kaaba, then all of their direction is going to be northerly. Whether they are towards that way or that way, to the east or the west, eventually they all face in that northerly direction towards the Kaaba. So that's what the scholars say the meaning of this hadith is, that between the east and the west, then all of that is the Kaaba, all of that is the Qibla rather, because wherever they are, their directions are all going to meet. Where if they are to the south, they all come together to that one point. If they are at the north, they all come together to the one point. Uh, there are four directions that are possible, north, south, east and west. So the people of the south and the people of the north, يَسْتَقْبِلُونَ مَا بَيْنَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبَ So the people who are in the south and the people who are in the north, they are going to be facing anything between that east and west. Might be somebody right in that corner, but they are coming southwards, but from the east. They are coming southwards, but from the west. So the directions come in this way. Uh, As for the people who are to the east of the Kaaba and the people who are to the west of the Kaaba, then their direction is going to be anywhere between the north and the south. If this is the Kaaba in the middle, somebody might be up there to the west of the Kaaba. But when they face towards the Kaaba, they are facing. Eastwards, and that is from the north side. Somebody could be on the south side, but they are still facing eastwards there. So a person, whichever direction they're in, the point being, wherever their directions are, north, south, east, west, whichever side, all of those are going to come into that center point. And that's the meaning of the hadith, that whichever direction it's in, that is the qibla. Wherever you are, then your direction goes towards that center point, from whichever side. فَلَيْسَ مِنَ مِنْ مَنْ عَلَى uh, so somebody who's far away from the Kaaba, he's not seeing it, he's not there. It's not a condition that he must be pinpoint 
in the exact direction to where the Kaaba is. If you were to draw a line from him going forwards all the way, you'd end up at the Kaaba. It's not a condition that way. For people who are at a distance, then the general direction, that direction of the Kaaba, you might be off by one degree, two degrees, a few degrees, but you're in the direction of the Kaaba, then all of that is correct and legitimate. And the Shaykh says, وَفِي هَذَا تَيْسِيرٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ عَلَىٰ عِبَادِهِ And this is a form of facilitation and ease that Allah has placed upon the slaves. Because quite clearly it would not have been, it would have been difficult if the ruling was that even from here, we need to find the precise, exact direction going tight directly to the Kaaba. So rather it's not like that, it's the direction. You face the direction of the Kaaba and that is sufficient. Um, فَالْإِنْحِرَافُ الْيَسِيرُ لَا يُؤَثِّرُ مَا لَا يَسْتَدِيرُ الْجِهَةِ So if you were to deviate slightly from that angle, that doesn't have any effect as long as you don't rotate completely. You don't make a 180 and start facing the opposite direction. But if a slight distortion occurred, that doesn't affect the prayer. أَمَّا مَا دَامَ مُسْتَقْبِلًا لِلْجِهَةِ الَّتِي فِيهَا الْكَعْبَ فَصَلَاتُهُ صَحِيحًا وَلَوْ حَصَلَ عِنْدَهُ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الْإِحْرَافِ الْيَسِيرِ فَإِنَّ مِثْلَ هَذَا يُتَسَامَحُ فِيهِ So if the person, as long as he is in the direction of the Kaaba, even if there was a slight deviation, then that doesn't affect anything that can be overlooked uh, with this affair. وَالْآنَ فِي هَذَا الْوَقْتِ حَصَلَتْ وَسَائِلْ تُسَاعِدَ عَلَى مَعْرِفَةِ الْقِبْلَةِ The Shaykh says nowadays you have all of these different means technology and things that help you to work out that direction anyway, uh, like compasses. You have these compasses that help you to do that, بُوصَلَاتْ وَلَوْ لَمْ يَكُنْ تَحْدِيلُ الْقِبْلَةِ فِيهَا يَقِينِيًّا And even if these compasses, these different technologies, they don't give you the exact pinpoint direction, they give you a very accurate-ish direction on the general uh, angle of the Kaaba. Uh, so, based upon that, استعمال هذه الآلات والاستفادة منها شيء طيب It's good to use these things the Shaykh says, it's good to use these compasses and other things that give you the direction of the Kaaba. وَلِهَذَا تَرَى الْآنِ إِذَا أُرِيدَ بَنَاءُ مَسْجِدِ فَلَا بُدَّ مِنْ أَنْ تَحْضُرَ الْجِهَةِ الْمَسْؤُولَ عَنْ إِعْمَارِ الْمَسَاجِدِ وَتُحْضَرَ مَعَهَا الْآلَاتِ And the Shaykh says, that's why nowadays when they build masajid, when they build new mosques, then the specialist people come with the correct equipment to work out the angles and the directions. So they know which way to face the masjid in the direction of the Kaaba. Uh, so that is regarding the direction of the Kaaba. Um, we fell a bit short, but we'll have to carry on next time then. Uh, it's about the issue of a person who is on a riding animal and the supererogatory prayers. Can you pray them in any direction? If the supererogatory prayer, you're praying it upon a riding animal, wherever it faces, wherever it turns, then the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim says it's okay. So, uh, the intention was to do that today, but inshallah, we'll start from that point next week, now that we've got the basis uh, covered, the condition of facing the Kaaba and some of the issues regarding that. Then next week we'll start with the issue of a person upon a riding animal, then wherever that faces, then the prayer is okay if it's supererogatory. Then we'll start with that from next time, inshallah, in two weeks. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين